Everybody Googles everything, especially potential customers or employers, and a business or personal online reputation can make or break you. If negative search results or reviews are impacting you, Webamax is here to help. Our proven process restores your online reputation quickly and effectively, and it matters. Don't let negative results control your narrative. Visit GoWebamax.com and fill out a brief confidential form to see how we can help. Remember, if you aren't paying attention to your online reputation, someone else is. GoWebamax.com. Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, welcome into another episode of Steelers Afternoon Drive. I'm Zachary Smith. As promised, Alan Saunders not here today on his way back from Atlanta covering yesterday's preseason finale, Pittsburgh Steelers, Atlanta Falcons. So we are graced by Nick Faribault, also of SteelersNow.com on the channel. Uh, This is what you've been on here a couple times. I think this is episode number three that you've been on. So welcome back, I guess. I can't even say welcome to the show. Welcome back to the show, Nick. Yeah, welcome back. I've, this is might be my fourth, even. I don't even know. I know I've been here at least twice. It might be my. Fourth. I know we had to call the audible one time, so maybe it's three, it's and that fourth. is the fourth. So yeah. okay, yeah. Because I was on uh, one storing like the first stages covered for him when he went down to Tampa, and then we made the audible. So okay. Was, yeah. So this will be four. Sheesh. Uh, uh, it's been a while, you know. Um, but I'm here, and there's a lot to talk about, Smitty. Uh, uh, yeah, we had a pretty good football game last night didn't we uh yes and we're gonna dive into all of it but we're not talking about any football until people subscribe to the channel leave us a like hit that notification bell and if you're listening somewhere else leave us a five-star review we will now pause for three seconds to let you do that all right and we're back on steelers afternoon drive to discuss an actual football game now taking place like i mentioned alan there covering the game last night um, I don't even know like how else to word this. Let's just get into it in terms of what we saw on both sides of the football, finishing off what has been a stellar preseason for the Pittsburgh Steelers. Now, the results, do they matter? No, but the results for some players, let's talk about that, both the number one offense and number one defense showing out in a big way. Yeah, man, I mean, let, let's talk about it because I think 
this game couldn't have gone any better for the Steelers. Like, if you were planning out a perfect script, okay, the first play of the game is a kickoff return where Mark Robinson's called for holding, and they have to go 92 yards, and they do it in eight plays in a little bit over four minutes. Like, that's efficiency, dude. Three chunk plays, too. I think that 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 you know for the first two plays of this drive, I was like, oh, here we go. They're gonna they're gonna hit their first stop, like their their first wall. It was third and five, and then Kenny Pickett just throws an absolute dot to Deontay Johnson. From there, Najee Harris gets a thirteen yard rip because Isaac Samalo just clears out the whole side. George Pickens is an alien. Najee runs it in. Like it was just easy after that. It feels like once this team just gets one spark, they just have gone like full steam ahead. No matter what. And then from there, defense gets a stop. Pump return from Calvin Austin. Deep job then for the offense from there. Najee Harris, 16 yards. Two plays later, Jalen Warren punched it in. I mean, that, that was and that was it. Like that was it for the first team offense. Mm-hmm. The defense, I think got another drive, shut them down again. Then some starters like intermittently played in, but like, dude, it couldn't have been any better. All three phases in terms of starters played at a high level. Even Presley Harvin like had a great coffin punt. Mm-hmm. Down the uh, down in Falcons territory where Destin's Patrick downed it, like it was a great day for the first team. Kenny Pickett and the offense looked awesome. That's obviously the story because they were kind of the unit that everyone was watching. But like the defense mm-hmm. played at an extremely high level as well, and that was without their two starting defensive tackles. Cam Hayward and Larry Ogunjobi did not play. Um, and Isaiah yeah, Larry Ogunjobi lied, lied to us. So he did, he did, he did. <laughs> but uh, you know. Relief pitcher Marv Leal um, comes yep. up in Dreams and Nightmares. Uh, did a nice job. I, I saw him eating up some double teams, you know, when Alandon Roberts kind of smoked in on that outside zone on the first run of the game. It was all Marv that helped that one go. Um, Isaiah Loudermilk got that look good. Montrevious Adams doing his thing. Alandon Roberts looked like a stud out there uh, last night. That first drive, it went like TFL, sack, TFL, all by Alandon Roberts in the punt. And I just thought that was really impressive from him. Um, I'm not sure you could have scripted a better preseason for the Steelers offense, though. You know, the Mm -hmm. defense is the ones that are not going to get the headlines, and and they deserve some. But we kind of knew there were stars on that that group. Like, the offense of line has looked really good. Kenny Pickett just looks like a different quarterback, man. Like, his game has gone from here to here. That's the Mm -hmm. difference. That's that's the difference in that unit. Like – yeah, there are other guys playing well. The offensive line's playing better. I understand. George Pickens looks better in year two, but like, dude, the difference in that offense right now is the quarterback. One hundred percent. It's Kenny Pickett. He just looks so much better from so many different aspects of his game, from ball placement to pocket movement to processing and all of these things. Man, he looks like a star right now. It's just the preseason, and that was against twos for the Falcons, but. It's been three games of absolute dominance from him. Yeah, so like you said, we saw everything we wanted to see from that offensive unit in the preseason. I would say going into the third and final one, we wanted to see if anything, if you were like really nitpicking, wanting to maybe see a little bit from Najee Harris in this game, and you did. So, you know, you finish it off in that third game, finally seeing from something from Najee Harris, who looked pretty good. I thought he looked pretty explosive at times, even, and that's really been the knack on him. It's not enough explosive plays from him. Um, what was your takeaway in terms of Najee Harris's game yesterday? Again, not going against ones for Atlanta, but finally actually seeing him actually get, what did he have, like two, three, maybe three touches before this game in the first two combined? So actually getting some reps in this one. Yeah, man, Najee looked good. 
Um, all the hubbub and the the kerfuffle. Uh, I'm just throwing out words here. Um, over <laughs> Jalen Warren and uh, Najee this week, like Najee Harris reminded people of what he did last year in this game. Five touches, I think. I tweeted this last night. Like, I'm pretty sure that's the most touches he's gotten in a training camp practice or game this entire year so far. Wow. Like, yeah. he, he he did not touch the football, like, at all training camp. Like, you would not know he was there unless you knew who he was. Um, and it was very much designed to be that way. But, man, he looked great. Um, just looked powerful. Um, looked like he could be a, a complete running back. Did his goal line stuff as usual. But I, I think the biggest thing I, I'm just taking away from how they're using Warren and Najee is it. This isn't a a you know backup situation. Like Warren's not a backup. Warren's a duo with him. Uh, this is like the first time Mike Tomlin has ever embraced the fact that we have a running back duo now. Is kind of I think the difference is there's been a philosophy change there. He ran Le'Veon Bell into the dirt. Like he he's been a guy that just does bell cow running backs. Like even when they had D'Angelo Williams, right? Like D'Angelo mm-hmm. Williams didn't really play much um, when Le'Veon Bell was out there. But Najee and, and Warren are, like, splitting off each other. Because on that second drive, Harris gets that big gain, and then they get in the red zone, and they bring in Jalen Warren. Like, I thought that was interesting. It's just different kind of usage. Warren's the third down back. But they'll rotate these guys, give them breathers, and they they really are just a one-two punch. And not, they work off so so well of each other because they are so different. You know, the one's a 246-2 back that just runs through you and then the other is a 5'9", 215 ball of muscle that just bowling balls through people and, and does kind of everything, man. So it, it was good to see Najee just kind of look what he looked like he should have, look like he did. I, I really think he's going to have a better year than pretty much everyone thinks he will. Um, he's a better running back than people give him credit for. I understand the stats aren't great for two years, but uh, in terms of efficiency, um, but he, he's a good running back, man. Yeah. Like he See, really that's is. the thing. I think I think less is going to be more with him this year. From an efficiency I standpoint, I think you see that take a jump because of this. I think you get Jalen Warren on the field to take some of that division of labor away, and it's really going to benefit Najee Harris too. And there's a third guy in the mix here. Anthony McFarlane also scored a touchdown in this game, and he's going to have a role within this offense, you think, too. I am curious to see if we actually see the two running back stuff in the regular season. That's what I want to see. Yeah, I'm interested to see that. I think we will. Um, I think we have to. There's too much talent in that room right now to not, like, utilize a really good position room that you have, right? Because you have two really good running backs. Then you now have an emergence of a third. Like, Ant-Mac, if Jalen Warren or Najee Harris gets hurt, I am very comfortable saying Anthony McFarland could give you very quality snaps and reps if he had to start a game i think they'd be fine with it like i think he's been that good this preseason he's a different running back from them too he's faster he's a better receiver than probably both of them like his route running is insane they haven't really shown that off in the preseason but i'll tell you what like training camp dude this guy's been dusting people he he has a great route tree can go out into the slot i wonder if they're going to run pony sets those two running back sets they could run 22 they could run uh, different types of personnel, 21, um, come kind of whatever you look. I think 22 is more likely because I think you can do a lot of different things with uh, Darnell Washington in there as well. Um, mm-hmm. But I, I just – I love what they have in that room. And, and so I think they need to embrace the duo factor of Najee and, and Warren. And then I, I think, man, I think it's okay to get anything McFarland some snaps in there too. I just think it's 
It's a really talented room. Obviously, he's not going to get as many snaps as, as Najee or Jalen Warren. But, man, he, he I, deserves it. I, I think you mentioned Darnell Washington. I'm glad you did because I didn't necessarily have this on there. And, and I don't know if he would have come up in conversation at any point. Man, did he – so, like, the fact that he's not doing a ton of receiving work isn't going to pop off the page. If you're just looking at the box store, or maybe even in real time, it's not going to be noticeable. But watching yesterday's game back on tape, he did exactly what he got drafted to do in last night's game. I thought he had a really good game as a blocker. Well, he's a guy that has just gotten better. Like, Alfredo yeah. Roberts, tight ends coach for the Steelers, has, has done a great job of getting this guy up to snuff. I mean, his blocking ability is as advertised. He's a massive dude that can just clear lanes. Uh, I think that's the biggest thing. Get him on the edge, man, and defensive ends just cannot handle him on down blocks he just moves them on anything Farland's big run he just kicked the defensive end down the line of scrimmage um on Jalen Warren's touchdown run his backside block basically cleared out that whole side uh I mean he has a number of blocks toss play uh where he just kind of buries a dude into the dirt I mean he is a very impressive blocker and, and I think you know he's not going to be there as a receiver yet that's kind of where he's at his rawest um mm-hmm. but man there is no question he's the best blocking tight end on this team already. Like, he's better yeah. than Gentry as a blocker. He's going to play. Uh, I think we've seen that increasingly with his increasing reps with the first team offense throughout preseason. Um, I just, I feel like he's going to play a lot and, and for good reason, man. It's just, it's hard to deal with the six foot seven, 265 guy that runs a four six. It, it really yeah. is. And then when he comes out in the blocking game, he can block your defensive end. He can get out in space on screens and tosses and just ragdoll your corners and defensive backs. Like mm-hmm. he has the mobility to get to the second level and reach block a darn inside linebacker. Like he is a special blocking weapon for the Steelers run game. And for the Steelers, that is a massive, massive thing. Cause you know how much Matt Kenna's offense is predicated on his run game. I mean, clearly they prioritize that. It's funny because like year one as a receiver, Derek and I were talking about this uh, when he joined me on here on Wednesday. His best attribute in the past game in year one might just be drawing defensive pass interferences because defenders are just going to be all over him because of the size mismatch. Yeah, man. I think that's something that could be big too in the red zone specifically. Mm -hmm. Uh, You saw that against Buffalo where he did draw those two DPIs, but just throw a fade ball up to him. Some guys just aren't going to be able to handle that if it's like a 6-1 DB. I mean, that's that's the thing about Darnell Washington is even if he's not like a polished route runner yet or a polished receiver yet, he's just such a good above-the-rim player because he's got great hands and he's just huge and understands how to use that size. And that's really what makes him a good red zone threat right away. You can put him up the seam. You can do a lot of different things with him, man. He's not going to be where he should be as his ceiling this year, as you should expect from a rookie, but – he could still be a very useful guy. Like he could have like 15 receptions for like 125 yards and like six touchdowns. Like that's a realistic like. Oh, yeah, I like that. I said I think he scores at least four touchdowns this year, even though he's not going to have even 20 receptions. That was what I put on it. So yeah, I think that's possible, man. Like uh, yeah. it could be like a third of his receptions are touchdowns. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> I want to bring up another player individually, and then I know we can transition this talk. I know you wanted to talk about the defensive line as well, maybe the the deepest group, and there's probably a tough cut within there if they're going to get rid of one of these guys. Um, and then we'll get to some of the questions that we got as well. But 
Um, Keanu Benton was another guy that popped off the page to me and has honestly through the preseason, but especially, um, in yesterday's game, somebody, uh, I think it was Ben Fennel, or I don't know if I'm saying that right, broke his, his tape down from yesterday's game and then in the clips. And I was going back through and watching and man, he was, he was dominant at the point of attack, such good hand usage. I'm still excited to see what he can tap into in terms of like his pass rush juice, but against the run right now, man, the way that he takes on these blocks, I'm really excited about Keanu Benton. You should be excited about Keanu Benton because the dude's built like the Hulk and is already playing at such a high level. Like, his games, his two games that he played, first of all, the Buccaneers game was absolutely dominant against, like, the first team group that he was facing in Cody Mock and Luke Gadecki, and he just took them mm-hmm. to the woodshed. Like um, NFL but, players, yes. Yeah, like Mark. NFL starting linemen that are going to be starting mm-hmm. for the Bucs this year. And then... He plays even better. I thought he played even better against the Bucs. Like, I thought he was better this game than he was against the Buccaneers. He's just got this natural athleticism to draw upon um, that makes him very, very deadly. And he's got great hand usage. Uh, I think that's another thing. His hands are heavy. Um, they're timely, and they're able to really move guys off their spot in the run game and the pass rush game. I, th- I think he's still raw. Uh, I think he doesn't have, like, a great pass rush plan yet. But, man, it's going to be tough to block this guy in the run game specifically. In the run game, he's so polished already. Like, he's a great run defender because that's all he did at Wisconsin. That's all they asked him to do was run run defense. He's going to be an absolute game wrecker in that regard. Pass rush, he'll probably make some noise. I don't think he's going to be fully there just yet this year. But, man, his ceiling is, like, sky high. And that's the thing the Steelers did all throughout this draft that they just had was they drafted athletes with sky-high potential – that probably aren't fully there yet. I don't think there's one player in those first three rounds. There is one uh, on day three who I think is actually already ready to, to ball out. But uh, I don't think anyone in the first three rounds of that draft is like even close to like to their ceiling yet. Dang it, Nick. I was ready to get into these questions, but you started to kind of tease the Nick Herbig stuff. And I don't know that anybody's really asked about him. So we got to bring him up just the preseason that he's at the training camp preseason, all tying in together what he's done. Um, very impressive. What does he have like a 30, 30 percent pass wish pass rush win rate? Wow, that was kind of tough for me to say for some reason. Three and a half sacks in the preseason. Just an awesome preseason for him. And I don't know that anybody really thought he was going to be at this level yet. I mean, there was talk when we got drafted and he's going to move to off ball. Like, man, impressive stuff. It has come on like so quickly. I think that's been the shocking part. You don't see yeah. fourth round at edge rushers just lighting up the, f- the world on fire all of a sudden and and, def- and knocking a back like legitimate starting right tackles and left tackles in the league like Luke Kadecki again he beat Luke Kadecki Deion Dawkins got absolutely dominated by this guy it's <laughs> a like, 60 million dollar left tackle yeah yeah like that's the bill starting left tackle and, like Deion Dawkins isn't like the perfect left tackle, but he's a pretty solid left tackle. Alex Alex Highsmith named him as one of the three toughest that he went against. Dude, he's a two-time yeah. Pro Bowler. I mean, he's yeah. a good player. And so mm-hmm. he made the Pro Bowl last year. I mean, it, that is a Pro Bowl tackle that that guy just decided to forklift and say, okay, I'm going to go around you. Uh, Jalen Mayfield's a little less, uh, <laughs> less so than yeah. that. Which is he who should he be a guard. Needs. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, sat, pour one out for the Michigan boys up there. Um, but, uh, man, Nick Herbig has, like, the natural base of 
athletic traits you need because he's very explosive and he's got great bend. You know how he has great bend after that absurd sack he had against the Bills with showcasing that. And then he's got this like insanely deep bag for pass rush moves. Like, dude, he's got like 10 pass rush moves he uses. Like every Mm -hmm. single one of his sacks or pressures this preseason have been using different moves. It's like, Okay, you're going to overset to the inside. Well, I have a spin move. I also have a two-handed swipe. I also have a chop swim. I also have a cross chop. I also have a ghost. I have a, I have this. I have that. I have a bull rush now. I have like – I just made like eight moves that Nick Herbig has used to success this preseason. It, it's absolutely bonkers what he has. He's going to play this year. I don't know if he's going to play like a lot um, just because the Steelers have two legitimately star pass rushers. But dude, he's yeah, gonna play. It's probably gotten a little bit overshadowed by this, but he's been good. Yeah, dude. Like everyone in that room has been really good. Like Marcus Golden has been really good, and and that's true. He he like has put multiple guys on their heels on skates with bull rushes. You know what you're gonna get with him. I, I did find this thing funny. Um, Adam Kaplan at Pro Football Network wrote today just kind of a summary of like rumors around the nfl and and he got to the Steelers, and the topic was nick herbig and there was an afc scout that talked to kaplan about it and, and he said that he wasn't knocked on his on his a word by him um some of our guys probably had lower grades on him than other teams and he said that quote unquote the tape did not show the type of explosion that is associated with high sack numbers Dude, his explosiveness might be his best trait. <laughs> like, yeah, I, I don't know. Like, I'm not saying that the team that employs that scout should move on, but if you can't see that Nick Herbig has elite explosion, yep. there's something wrong with you. Uh, the the question is going to be how does he hold up as a run defender when they run the ball at him? Not like chasing down from the backside, but literally running the football to him. I think that's the one question that we still have about his game. I think he's there as a pass rusher. Like you could drop him into an NFL regular season game tomorrow and he'd be fine. So I, I yeah, I, I question that as well. He's there. I just I there are questions I have about Nick Herbick still in, in the run defense department, but uh mm-hmm. the athleticism department, specifically explosiveness on your first step. Uh yeah. And also, I mean, obviously, Nick Herbig deserves all the the credit in the world for for what he's come in and done so early. But also, man, can he be dropped into a better situation than being with T.J. Watt, Alex Highsmith, and Marcus Golden because of the how different they are as profiles too? Being able to pick up all those things from those guys. Yeah, I think that's the really special part is that he can learn from the all around kind of traits that Watt and Highsmith have. He can learn from the scrappiness, high motor, power oriented. Um, Marcus Gold. Marcus Golden's the best run defender of kind of that depth group, too. Um, he's a really good run defender. And so I, I think that's going to help uh, Nick Herbig. And, and I think people have really focused yeah. only on, oh, Nick Herbig's learning from Alex Highsmith and TJ Watt. But Marcus Golden's been teaching him, too. Um, and he's going to be better for it, man. He's got three legitimately productive pass rushers that have been in this league for a long enough time to know what's going on. He could not have been dropped into a better position because he just seems like a sponge that like soaks up everything thrown his way. It's pretty impressive, actually. All right, Nick, let's get into some questions here from our, uh, I'm, I'm still going to say Twitter 
followers uh, that we put out here. The first one can be pretty quick. Uh, ben wants to know how many Super Bowls. Well, Ben, I think Kenny Pickett wants to get this franchise from at least where it's at now to the number on his jersey. So I'm going to say at least two. Two. It's <laughs> probably, uh, I mean, the goal for any players to win as many as possible. I don't know how many they'll win with Kenny. Um, I know I've talked in the past with Allen, and Allen is convinced he will win at least one. Um, I think he's in a very loaded AFC conference. That's going to make it even harder um, to win yes. one, uh, to win an even conference championship, let alone a Super Bowl. Um, mm -hmm. But listen, man, it's always possible. Uh, I mean, so I don't know how many he'll win. I think it's possible if, if he plays like he has this preseason and preseason a franchise quarterback. I mean, with Mike Tomlin as your coach, I, I think there's always a chance you can get there. So. Um, we'll, we'll see. I'm not. I'm not going to throw a number out there. I feel like this one was more for me because they yeah. know that I was going to go over the top or thought I would go over the top. But listen, I'm keeping it relatively conservative. I'm just going to say two. So yeah, I, I think conservative two for a. Oh, if you wanted a Homer answer, I think would be a good answer. Uh, Joseph wants to know if anyone on the bubble raised their stock in last night's game, in your estimation. Anyone on the bubble? I thought Armin Watts raised his stock. That defensive line competition is significant um, and tough to kind of parse out because so many good players in that group that do different things. But he's got the most pass rush use out of those guys that are on the bubble by far. Mm -hmm. um, I think he showcased that. He was in the back row like four times last night just by his pass rush moves. Um, he's got proven production in the NFL as a pass rusher in meaningful games. I just don't know how you can cut him as a rotational pass rusher. Uh, I just, he's, he's the one guy that you're like, yeah, you should probably keep him because of that. He's got a unique trait that I think they should keep him with. Um, I thought Kenny Robinson played well last night too. Um, re recovered the fumble, yeah. of course. Um, but I had been kind of waiting for the training camp stuff to start to seep over into games. He had like two special teams tackles and, made some really nice plays on the football. I thought he played well as well. And then like one last guy I do want to kind of throw out there is Dylan Cook. I think he's been a really solid yep. player on depth at O-line, played three different positions last night, left tackle, right tackle, left guard. Um, the fact that they are giving him more on his plate, and by that I mean they are letting him train at both tackle spots and then moved him inside the left guard. That's significant. That showcases they see something in this kid. I don't know if he's going to make the roster, but – uh, he's close, and he played well. He's got three good games on his resume, and he looks like a really good developmental tackle, only a second-year player. Um, so I, I really like what I, I saw Dylan Cook. Yeah, I feel like he's, like, as close of a lock as you can have on the practice squad. Like, oh, I, I feel like that's – yeah. He He's played well enough, though. To, I mean, if there's a team that sees that, that is starving mm -hmm. for sure. offensive yeah. line depth, I think he could be a, a, a poach candidate. Yeah, absolutely. Um, going th that was actually going to be one of the ones that I said. I'm trying to think of another. Um, actually, it might have been the Buffalo game where he actually looked better. But like, and I don't even think he's going to make it. I could see him making the practice squad too. Is Tanner Muse? Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm struggling to come up with another one that I thought I would say. And I want to get to this with a different question. Okay, so we'll just go to this and then we'll talk about it. Because Davin said, how do you, or uh, no, not Davin, Kendall said, how do you feel about the CB depth? And the guy that I just keep noticing in a negative light is James Pierre. Um, 
which is kind of like, man, if, if Corey Trice Jr. doesn't get hurt, I wonder the conversation we'd be having about James Pierre. Like, would he be on the bubble more than we feel like he is? Absolutely. I think this is a sleeper, uh, a sleeper surprise cut candidate. And the reason why I would say that is because I think if they find a guy that they maybe like from outside the org, mm-hmm. that can be a gunner and maybe offer more quality outside depth, that could be a potential move they make. Um, but yeah, he's kind of the de facto guy. Uh, the issue is not, none of the other outside corners have really played that well. So I feel like yeah. James Pierre has been kind of the guy that's been proven to be able to stick there enough. And, and listen, even though he's been bad this training camp and preseason for the most part, he's proven in the past he's actually been a serviceable backup. Like last year against Tampa, he was awesome. Um, yeah, 100% of the snaps. Yeah, right. And he played really well. Like he's he's done it before. So I, I mean – I know. See, Derek brought up a good point with James Pierre. Is he's not the type of guy that's going to thrive in these environments. It like he needs to be in an environment where like his back is against the wall, and it's like game plan specific, where he has an entire week to know that he, this guy is going to be out there. Um, in a case like this, like in the preseason, playing this very like basic coverages and not really doing a whole lot, um, it's just it's not an environment that he's going to be good in. Yeah, I think that's part of it too. I think he's. I think we have enough evidence for his career to showcase that he can be a good corner. That's just inconsistent. And if that's your corner four and your, your depth guy, it's like not the end of the world. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, he's not had a good preseason at all. I'm sure that Terrell Austin and Grady Brown probably aren't too happy with how he's played, but I also think there's just enough tape for them to draw on in previous seasons to kind of see where he is as a player and, and understand what he is. But, I don't know. It, it's it's a possible sleeper candidate. I, I think Omar Khan's think... gonna add one or two guys to this roster from the outside. So, hmm. Okay. Well, that's an interesting point. Real quick, though, like continuing on, not just James Pierre, but where are you at with the CB depth just in general? Not just Pierre, but I mean, you kind of touched on it. You don't feel like there's another guy on the outside that's even like anywhere close to an NFL. Uh, player could play an NFL game if we had to play one tomorrow but like even inside I don't even know I mean we're talking about the slot position like we are really struggling to even figure out who that number one should be well there's a slot position is interesting because you have two rundown slots to be quite honest with you and Shannon Sullivan and Elijah Wright that and by the way this was Gavin's question so we might as well just answer that as well yeah, he said yeah. he'll be the starting slot week one well I I, I actually lean Elijah Riley uh, on that one um but like Shannon Sullivan and Elijah Riley have just played too well not to make the team um, in terms of special teams ability. One, two, they've done their jobs extremely well. I just, I don't know if I'm so giddy about Patrick Peterson being the passing down slot cornerback. Like I think people are kind of taking it as, oh, he's going to be good because he's a 13 year vet and he's going to be a Hall of Famer. But man, sometimes this doesn't go as well as people think because you can very easily struggle in the slot to be a good outside cornerback. It's a completely different position in terms of your rules for leverage and what you're reading. And it's a very man coverage based position. Do we think Patrick Peterson at this stage in his career is a man coverage based play? I I just don't think that's his strength. Um, And so I kind of wonder where they're going to go. And I also think Joey Porter Jr. kind of had struggles last night. Um, Very, didn't, didn't really get targeted a lot, but I thought his footwork is still a very, very much a work in progress. And I, I think he's going to have struggles as a rookie. So I think the corner room, 
I remember when we were talking about the inside linebacker room and how that was like the biggest question before camp. Well, I don't think so anymore. Um, I, I will talk about that, I'm sure, as well. But like, I think the corner room is the biggest question on this defense. Like, I, I think it's a good defense with lots of questions at cornerback. How does Patrick Peterson hold up in a scheme that's going to play man coverage more because Joey Porter Jr. is a man corner? You have to play man with Joey. And in zone, he's still going to be a little bit of a mess with his eyes and his footwork. So it's a weird kind of mix there. You have Levi Wallace, who is a solid two. So I think there's solace in that. But I'm worried if you get an injury to this room, it could be it could be a little rough. And then the slot corners position, you have two very good rundown guys. I just I don't know about the pass down stuff. Um, I, I'm I'm still a little worried on, on seeing uh, Patrick Peterson in there. I wanted to see him have game reps there. Um, yeah, I, I just did, and we haven't seen it happen. Uh, yeah, I'm with you. To answer Gavin's question, I'm also with you on Elijah Riley to answer that. And then it's fun. Like, we can just keep transitioning these because it's, like, perfect. Ten says, if the Steelers do go outside of their current roster to add someone, what position group do you think they add to? My answer would be corner. And and I don't know. Again, it depends. If, if they're at their breaking point with Pierre just based off what they saw in the preseason, and again, they've seen a body of work that you feel like they're comfortable putting him in an NFL game if they had to. Um, so I don't know if it's outside, but I would say cornerback in it being either outside for that reason or inside if they're not satisfied with what they have in passing downs. Yeah, I, I think corner is is one. Um, I, I think corner is something that they could make a splash with. I, I really do. If you're if you're looking at the obvious upgrade opportunity, corner is probably that. I also think they have a rookie at that position that they want to play and learn and get a guy to learn. I think that's also natural with Joey Porter Jr. Mm -hmm. um, I just think that they have very thin lines of depth there. Um, it's just not a very deep room. Um, and so we'll see. I think corner could be one. I think center is another one. Um, I think yeah. that's the other obvious one on the roster is who's the backup center. Um, like people are kind of just penciling it in to be Nate Herbie right now, but we never saw him play there in the preseason yet again. A guy that didn't play the position in the preseason was hurt with the shoulder. Is he the backup center? I don't know. I, I think Kendrick Green has proven he can't be trusted in that role. Spencer Anderson hasn't played there enough to be trusted in that role. So James Daniels and Isaac Samalo both have center experience in their past, but haven't snapped a football at all during training camp or – or the preseason. So I don't know. That, that feels like an obvious one to me too. I feel like there's just one or two moves coming here where this team needs upgrades and they're going to probably make one or two um, corner. Seems like the other obvious one, as you mentioned, that could be a slot or an outside. I, I think mm -hmm. there are questions about what that could be. I, I think it could be a slot, a passing down slot. They really like that's maybe on the market. But if an outside cornerback comes on the market and they want to go make a splash, man, they probably could. I think, you know, Omar Khan acquired Malik Reed and Jesse Davis last year for week one to to add to that, to add to the outside linebacker room and the guard depth last year when there were questions there. He's shown a, he's shown a Howie Roseman-like kind of push to just fill every hole on a roster. Like Howie mm -hmm. Roseman and the Eagles, what they do every year is – they see a hole in the roster and they just sign guys, sign guys, sign guys, trade for guys. This guy, we do this, they do this, 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 right? Until like the roster has depth and is fully filled out. 
Now, Omar Khan did a lot of that already through free agency. Um, he did it inside linebacker when they signed Quan Alexander. Um, so he's just been a guy that has proven to look, 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 look for guys. And so, I don't know. I, I, they're not done. I, I keep telling people that. They're not done acquiring outside guys. I think center's probably the most likely option. I think that they probably are a little higher on the corner room than I am. I'll say that. Gotcha. Yeah, well, it would also be higher than I am, too, if they are high on it. You mentioned the uh, Quan Alexander edition that uh, Omar Khan made, and that's a good transition, too, because John wants to know how we feel about the inside linebackers just off of three games so far. I love the speed and physicality in which the guys are playing with. Yeah, man. These inside linebackers are balling. Like, I've been shocked by that. The Steelers, though, have got their right idea about this it's a rotation it's it's a room that requires specialization now inside linebacker for a lot of teams now is very much like the running back position in terms of that um where you have rotation multiple guys that do different roles and and kind of encapsulate different things for that defense and the Steelers have that in spades this year Cole Holcomb's kind of your do-it-all guy he's gonna be your three-down guy right Quan Mm -hmm. is your pass down nickel dime linebacker coverage-based guy could still come downhill and, and and obviously smack dudes but um that's that's not his main quality is the run defense the run defense the hammer is is then a land and roberts and then you have mark robinson who's kind of the wild card and it does a little bit of everything who can be kind of your big heavy smack them around guy so i don't know man I, I came into into camp thinking that was the weakest position on the team now i think it's it's looked like a strength they've had three really good games and a pretty darn good training camp too if they stay healthy and then they're able to kind of carry through i think this room should be pretty good yeah um did i would say that alandon roberts we're wait, kind of waiting for him not, not that he didn't show anything those first two games but i feel like yesterday really made a mark uh at what he's going to bring to the table just that physicality playing downhill hair is on fire all the time type of play. And I thought Cole Holcomb has bounced back and because I didn't think he was very good in the first game. I thought he's looked better in the last two. Um, and then Quan is, is Quan and he's ball of energy at all times. So, yeah, I think that's an interesting point too, in terms of the Steelers realizing, okay, we don't have a bunch of like three down linebackers that you can throw out there. These guys are very specialized in their roles. Let's put them in the, the best position to succeed. They've already, you know, seen this go the wrong way with Devin Bush and that's not going to happen again. I think they learned from this. This is a, a Jarvis Jones moment, if you will, um, <laughs> where when they drafted Jarvis Jones, they took a chance on a guy that wasn't a great mm-hmm. athlete, but went on proven production. Well, now they only draft athletes, right? Like that's been the change since then. I think the change of the inside linebacker position for the future for the Steelers is going to be, let's get proven guys. Let's not pour like, this massive amount of resources into this position and let's use a rotation. That's what it is at this point. Uh, and the last question, and we didn't save the best for last this time because it comes from my co-host of around the four, one, two Tyler. Uh, when is the last time the Steelers had as much offensive skill depth as they seem to have now? Um, yeah, I, I think that's tough. Cause even some of those uh, killer bees teams didn't have like a ton of skill depth. Remember, when they got hurt, when they dealt with some injuries in that that stretch, you had guys like Tevin Jones and and Kobe mm-hmm. Hamilton and Johnny yeah. Holton out there. Um, mm-hmm. 
So, I mean, the I don't think the wide receiver depth is, like, incredible this year. I think they're four deep, and that's really it. Um, but the tight end depth is the deepest I remember it being in a very long time. The running back depth is certainly three deep. Um, like, they just have a very deep ancillary group. And then the, they have a, a defined top four of receivers that all do different things. I think that's the difference in this receiver room compared to a lot of other receiver rooms they've had in the past. Like 2017 kind of is where I'm throwing it out. 2016-ish, you know, where they had kind of this speedster demon guy, that's Martavis Bryant, um, who's kind of this big play guy, right? Well, this receiver room has four different skill sets. They have that speedster guy and Calvin Austin. They have the route runner that separates. That's Deontay Johnson. They have this alien of a contested catch guy that's trying to prove he can be more and be a superstar in George Pickens. And then you have the finesse big slot receiver that can also play outside, the vet of the room, kind of the the wise man, and Allen Robinson. Like, it's a great room. Running back doesn't need any kind of breakdown from me. I think you all know what Najee Harris, Anthony McFarlane, and Jalen Warren do. And then tight end, you have two really good receiving receiving options, Pat Frymuth and, and Connor Hayward. Connor Hayward can play basically any position as well. He plays like seven spots. We saw him even carry the ball yesterday at running back. I mean, the guy mm-hmm. just is a yeah. Swiss Army knife. He's not a tight end. He's not a fullback. He's just a he, – he, I don't even know. He's a football player. I, I, as I said, actually, I, I said in an article when I wrote it two days ago, he's a fantasy football flex. That's what he is. Uh, he just plays like everything. Then you have two butt-kicking blockers in Darnell Washington and Zach Gentry. I think it's – I think it, I, I'll go like 2016, 2017-ish. That probably sounds about right to me. Um, 2020, they had some really solid options um, in that room too, just overall. But I don't think it was deep across the board as it is right now. Yeah, I, I think the difference is once you go from the three to four wide receiver for me, like I think that they're four deep at receiver right now, and I think having three running backs that are all very much playable is is the difference too. Um, the tight end room is also very good. I mean, yeah, it's it's a very good roster on the offensive side right now. And again, you know, we'll see how much it matters because that quarterback should continue to show what he has in this preseason. Yeah, I mean, here's here I'll just go back to 2017. Here, here's who okay. the Steelers had in that room: Antonio Brown, Martavis Bryant, Eli Rogers. Juju, and then you also had Darius Hayward Bay, Sammy Coates, Justin yeah. Hunter, like Demarcus Ayers, you know, a, a number of guys that Demarcus would push Ayers. for a roster spot. Um, it was a pretty deep group, uh, but to be quite honest with you, 2016, I think you could also make an argument for, um, kind of on that that level, um, where you had Marcus Wheaton in there the year before, but you, you don't have the depth of the top three which is a Juju Martavis um, AB trio. And so I think that in particular at that start of that 2017 season, you had those top four plus a really solid group of, of depth guys. You know, Eli Rogers is a proven slot option. Darius Hayward mm-hmm. Bay is your speed guy, but a very proven special team. Or like that's probably – the deepest they've been a wide receiver. And, and then their, their running back room also is very solid there. You had James Conner in that room. So uh, with behind Lev Bell. So uh, I'd say 2017. Okay. Yeah. I think that's fair. There you go, Tyler. By the way, around the 412. 
shameless plug. Um, Nick, I think that about wraps it up. I don't think uh, we got anything else. We covered a lot here. I can't thank you enough for joining us. Yeah, man. Appreciate it as always. The Steelers afternoon drive. You know, it's always great. And make sure to check out more SteelersNow.com, of course. Follow me on Twitter at FairAboutFB. You know, we bring in the sauce out there, man. Yeah, a whole new whole new level since Derek was added as well, and I think things just keep leveling up, leveling up for the site. So, uh, don't miss a thing. Nick already told you where you can find him. You can find me at Zachary Smith PGH. Be sure to subscribe to the channel, leave us a like, hit that notification bell, comment down below. Let us know uh, how you feel about anything that we talked about in this episode, and we will get to it uh, after the weekend. Though we're gone for Saturday, Sunday, I'll be back with Alan Saunders on Monday for another episode of Steelers Afternoon Drive. But until then, thanks for jumping in and joining us on another ride on the Steelers Afternoon Drive.